connecting Elko. Yes, yes, Jack, tune in is working. Here we go, kicking off the show on the Wednesday edition. Brent's with me already, Brent Bachman. And uh, it's the 12th of July. No, August, Lord of mercy, August 12th, sorry. 8 12 20. Uh, Roger Sales, your some seemingly confused host, and uh, the People's Patriot Network. Uh, Kicking off the Wednesday, didn't hear from Paul. I did have an exchange with him yesterday or day before. and said we sure would like to have you come by if you, you know, don't have anything else going on. And uh, maybe he will. We'll see. Uh, if not, there's no lack of things to talk about. And, uh, wow. Uh, boy, you got some folks on there. Chris has joined us. It looks like Howard Beal is with us. Uh, so maybe he's mad as hell and he ain't going to take it anymore either usually that hb is brian so i'm assuming that's who it is how you doing guys this morning that's me roger good morning you excited about kamala harris being uh biden's running mate are you uh that was interesting separate of the you know the obvious manipulation they're going to use for people to vote without well here's my take and my wife and i were chatting about it like what are the uh, the stupid emotional things that they're going to use based on race. Same thing with Obama, right? But, um, like, what is their platform? Where are they going to run on? You they know, might as well say it. They're going to raise taxes and come for the guns. So put them in office. Enough bullshit. Just go yeah. and put them oh, in office. Well, it's quite interesting in the overall picture. Of course, for us, really, that doesn't make all that much difference. It does in a bigger picture. But for us directly, they don't. They don't pass laws that affect us, really. So uh, they're sitting as trustees in bankruptcy. And uh, But what's interesting to me is the Democratic Party could only field these two rascals. And it wasn't like they didn't have a lot of choices. There's 10, 12 of them up there on those debate stages last year. And this is the two best ones they could come up with. Yep. Now, look, that says a ton, man. I mean, really. Uh, the one thing I know about Kamala Harris is kind of interesting, though, and uh, Tucker did a pretty good expose on her last night, and I think you know, you're know you going to see different things in her history. And there was one that I didn't see last night that I was real surprised that they didn't show. And uh, as her time in grade out there is the Attorney General of California, where one thing she was bragging about putting 15,000 people in jail for smoking marijuana, and then somebody asked her if she'd ever smoked, and all she did was giggle. You know, that kind of hypocritical crap. But this one's right. even more egregious. This was pretty egregious right here. And I saw the guy that it happened to interviewed, and he was a young reporter, and he was doing a real in-depth report, an article that it was not published. It was still in the works. That's very key on Planned Parenthood. And Kamala Harris had his place raided and everything seized. 
and there's a law in California that you cannot, or maybe not, I guess California, you can't go after a journalist's work before it's published. So you can see uh, that that one will come out. You'll probably hear about it. I'm sure it's it's egregious enough, uh, but it just shows you the overall tenor of their ideas and their principles and their party. I, I, it very well may be that we don't see the Democratic Party as a serious party after this for a long time. Well, let's hope well, so. You know let's hope you know so. They'll manipulate it, but look at her. Uh, and all, you know, all this will come out. But look at her. Just look at her track record. She's oh. been a prosecutor, so she's a expert in protecting the corporation first and foremost. That's yeah. what she's there for. Yeah. And she's she started off as the, the DA in San Francisco, the most retarded, liberal, jacked up city in the country. And then she's moved on for different stages. But yeah, she's just, she, you know what? I, I I bet this. I bet that Biden, you barely even hear him, and she's going to be the mouthpiece for him, and basically the attack dog because that's what she is. She's well, a pros- she's a well, vicious prosecutor. We should hope that that happens. And the, and you look back uh, in all those primaries and all that stuff with all the money she spent and everything, she could only muster two percent of the Democratic vote. She's real frowned on by the voters. They think that she's insincere. Uh, I thought this, uh, Roger, is, you know, we were talking about it, but, uh, you know, strategy, game planning, always thinking deep on stuff. But remember when they when they were running for the uh, for the uh, um, for who would represent the Democrats, right? The ticket, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. Well, Kamala was in it just for a little bit, right? Just at the beginning. Who was? But I think uh, Kamala was in oh, the Kamala. race just yeah. at the beginning. Kamala. Right. Kamala whatever Kamala, the hell her name, however the hell you say it. But she, she was there for just a short amount of time, not long enough to get uh, to get bloodied and to have her history drawn out, right? She was there, I think. This was decided a long time ago because they got to have a, a and it has nothing to do I'm not even going to comment on the on the race thing but it'll be used for a female's preference and a racial preference which is just terribly wrong in the first place but she wasn't there long enough to get bloodied which I think actually very well could have been just to get her name out there to get build credibility let her drop out and then the rest of them would bloody each other and you know drag out a bunch of stuff but she wasn't they didn't want her her closet being emptied per se, and uh, but hopefully it will now. There was one and person that really confronted her in those debates. I saw some clips of it, and it's really the only decent candidate that they fielded out of the Democrats. I thought personally, and that's Tulsi Gabbard. And boy, they ran her off and suppressed her. But in that big debate where they still had to let her uh, on the stage, she just filleted Kamala Harris. Uh uh, so Daryl's joined us, it looks like. Hey, Daryl. Uh, there was another thing I read just before we went on the air, kind of a, uh, although let, let's stay in the election field. Georgia elected a blonde-haired, blue-eyed female Republican last night, uh, dried-in-the-wool conservative, uh, a sharp sharp lady. Harvey was at her uh, her winning reception, he tells me this morning, so maybe he'll come on and tell us a little bit about that. The DA in Atlanta that uh, was the prosecutor uh, on this guy that the cop shot the guy that where they burned down the Wendy's. 
couple of months ago. He got defeated last night. So uh, the tide's turning a little bit. That's a good thing. Um, there was an interesting thing, though, that happened in California out of the appellate. I don't know if it's the appellate system. It's probably on appeal now. Out of the district court level out there, though, and that is that a, I believe it's a federal, no, it's, probably, it's a state judge. It has to be a state judge because it's a state law uh, that they're implementing. Um, told Uber and Lyft they got to classify all their drivers as employees, and they can't do it as subcontractors. And Uber says if that sticks, we just won't do business in California. Uh, and the move was a was a, a law a reaction to a law signed by uh, Governor Governor Galvanize out there. I think his name's Gavin. Uh, here recently, and they're just implementing it. So they came down, and we'll see how that uh, appeals. But that's pretty interesting for the head of the company to come right out and say, if this isn't overturned and we can't get it overturned, we won't do business in the state. And that's going to have a huge impact on a bunch of other California employers, by the way. Uh, so that, I thought, was kind of interesting. Morning, Daryl. I know you want to say something. Morning. Your your rectangle's yeah. blue. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. Sorry, I had to jump off yesterday. I I actually had a guy who had a bunch of questions show up, and so I spent the next hour and a half trying to prevent him from being overreactive. <laughs> he went, so, were, were, were these motorcycle uh, questions, or were these other questions? Uh, these were, these were, these were quite, he might be listening right now. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, he's a great guy and, uh, he just, uh, for over the last five years has just become very, you know, more and more interested. And then there's been a lot of so-called protests around here in the last, uh, month or so. And, uh, <clears throat> So he he, uh, he had some serious uh, questions, you know, and uh, great. Uh, you know, my my response was, um, well, uh, before before you get involved with a lot of other people taking actions, uh, maybe we should step back here a minute, <laughs> you know, which is, uh, you know, it's. It's kind of like trying to drive a car without wheels on it. You know, you can start it, but, you know, you're not going anywhere. So, uh, but anyway, that was that was a really good time. I enjoyed that. And, it's uh, very fulfilling, isn't you it? Talk, you feel, yeah. you feel yeah. very duty-filled when that event happens. It's just like uh, Amanda and, and the new group that's come on here. Every time we get new people on here, it just reinvigorates me. So you get the feeling a little bit. Yeah, well, it's a it's a responsibility, and it's a you know you take it serious because these are all serious, very serious matters actually. Uh, although we try to have a little fun with them once in a while. Well, you um, got to. You yeah, got you to. were talking. Yeah, you. You know, you 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 and Brian were talking about the uh, California escapades out there, and uh, you know, uh, Newsom is. I, I thought he somebody had coined a really good uh, name for him, Noman, uh, which was uh, gruesome Newsom. <laughs> I think that was a good one. He's and, too young uh, to be. He's too young to be gruesome. <laughs> well, he's 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 a made 
he's a made man. I guess you know, so. He's, he's part of the mob. Yeah, he's made. Now, Kamala Harris, uh, back back during the primaries and, and actually prior to that, uh, there had been a pretty pretty deep dive. A number of people did a deep dive on her. And it, uh, she has a long and lengthy history of uh, uh, being a political prostitute, literally, and and her code name is Busy Beaver. <laughs> code name Busy. That's a good one. Yeah. So well, she so she you know, was she was involved yeah. in building all those dams out there in California. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah. It's uh, she 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 is she knows how she knows how to uh, what was how's that construct a career construct a career. Go? She knows how to construct a career. Shake. Shake her. There's a song that says something about uh, Mama's got a squeeze box and yeah. shake your money maker. <laughs> yeah. So she, she, she learned, she learned how uh, to do that a long time ago, <clears throat> and uh, and, uh, and and rode that horse. Yeah. Did you how about see that? So the, the meme that floated around. She's a, she's she I got a horse. She's a prostitute. I gotta, I gotta say this: okay. a little meme that floated around. I think I sent it to you, Daryl. It showed a picture of uh, Michelle Obama, and she's holding a plaque that says, Michael? "Joe, yeah. Ja- yeah, Joe Biden grabbed my penis." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, you gotta laugh at some of this stuff, man. Two plus two equals five. Well, come on. I mean, I, I used to use that I, I in these talks on these shows. I used to use that as an example of ludicrousness, and now it's here. <laughs> I mean, geez. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, this is this is uh, this is how uh, this is how this all works when you when you accept. When you when 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 inverted principles are um, uh, uh, what's 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 promulgated, you know that's that's when they 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 uh, they train everybody in these inverted principles, which inverted principles are actually satanic. So, yep. Uh, and, if, I, and, uh, if I had uh, a world of my own, yeah, so, everything would be yeah. what it is. Because everything would be what yeah. it isn't. And then what it is, it wouldn't be. You see? Now, now I, I have a, I, I know that maybe somebody out there in the listening audience might even roll their eyes. It's like, how many, how many tangents can I come up with here? But well, 30 years ago, I was, uh, well, no, I guess it would have been 31. And I would have been about 32, 33, something like that. And uh, I was I was single at the time, had been for some time. And, and uh, a woman I was dating worked at Polk County uh, Recorder's Office. <laughs> okay. And, and Polk County in Des Moines, Iowa, is a strong Democratic stronghold. I mean, it is, it is uh, seriously, seriously Democratic. 
And she worked in that office, and it was a Democratic office. And guess who strolls in one day to that office? None other than Joseph Biden. Oh, my goodness. And uh, that's 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 my dog. And it, my, my dog's not an ankle biter. And uh, <clears throat> the the uh, Joe Biden walks into the office and uh, walks up, walks up behind her. She didn't see him come in. And he walks up behind her and and grabs her from behind and starts uh, massaging her back. And she stand. She didn't even know he was there. She stands up and turns around and smacks him. Oh. <laughs> and. And she didn't really recognize who it was and gave him hell. Okay. And, uh, but I wasn't surprised that he did it because she was obviously the prettiest one in the room. So this is just how creepy, He's creepy, creepy Joe now. was. This is before his, this is before his, uh, this is before when he had hair transplant and they looked like the cornrows, you know, the old, the old cornrows. Yeah. He had the cornrow transplant in his head. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, anyway, that's, you know, neither here nor well, there, a, but, you know, 30, 30 some years ago, I knew he was a creep. Well, that's an interesting, <laughs> you know? but I was really proud of Rita. Did that get any press? I was, really was, proud it, of Rita. was it in the local newspaper? Oh, or no. oh no, that was a democratic office, man. Mm, but you that were dating, you were was, dating, yeah. you were dating somebody in the office. Is that what the setup was? Yeah, I was dating. I was dating her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this comes straight yeah, from the victim. To, yeah, that night. <laughs> Holy yeah. smokes! Yeah, I was, I was, I was flying charters, and uh, I got back. And we all we got back to the apartment, and and uh, she was still mad. <laughs> wow. And uh, so uh, that's a uh, that wasn't even. That doesn't even count as hearsay. That was, that was, uh, I won't use her last name. That was Rita. Uh uh, She was about, she was about five foot 10, red hair, and uh, had that English white skin look and a mole on her cheek and, and uh, like the classiest librarian you ever wanted to meet, right? Right, right. And he, he walked in that room and picked her out. Boom. Right now. That's just how creepy this dude is. Yikes! Now, oh well, like I said, this is the best. Better. This is the best they can field, folks. Yeah. Well, that's it, well. There's a methodology behind all this, you know. Of course. And uh, since I'm since I'm relaying stories, uh, last week or the week before was the anniversary of the American Disabilities Act, which got a little bit of notice, and. Uh, when that when that legislation was going on, the sponsor of the bill was Senator Tom Harkin from Iowa, and uh, I I remember when that happened because I was flying him a lot, and I flew him and a bunch of other senators, and uh, Daniel Inouye, and I, I got to sit in the front seat and listen to their conversations. It was pretty fascinating stuff. So. Uh, I've I've had a aviation has really provided me a, a quite an exposure to mm-hmm. uh, different events. You but, could say a front row seat, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. He used to Tom Harkin used to sit up front. With me. He used to sit up front with me a lot. 
because he was a pilot and uh, he used to fly F4 Phantoms. And uh, he, uh, he, he really liked flying with me, and so much so that uh, there was a, a Democratic uh, rich guy there in Polk County that had a Baron. Uh, you flew in one. He I had did. a Baron. This I guy did. had his own private Baron. And he would, he would donate it to Tom Harkin for his own personal private use, and we kept it at Elliott Beechcraft in Des Moines. And, and I was, uh, you know, Tom Harkin told uh, the owner – or the, the general manager at Elliott Beechcraft in Des Moines, uh, Daryl is our pilot. <laughs> we don't we don't care what you got to do. Just make sure he's the one flying the airplane. And I used to fly his uh, his wife and his uh, two girls around and him and, and their uh, entourages. And I was just like the I was like the uh, bus driver. There was a, the Democrats. At- there was a senator in, uh, I think, Oklahoma. You, Chris can maybe help us here. I think his name's Imhoff, who is a conservative senator mm-hmm. out of Oklahoma, and he was a World War II pilot, and he would fly himself back and forth from D.C. to Oklahoma. You may remember this, Daryl. It's about probably 20 years ago. And he flew from mm-hmm. D.C. back to Oklahoma when he landed, and they were putting the plane up. The it, the the guys that work on the plane said, hey, man, the pin was out of the propeller. The pin, like a, oh, like a, like a, a, on a boat, on a, the, the, the wheel, you know, what drives it. And there's a little thing called yeah. a cotter pin. And like the cotter pin wasn't on the propeller. So he just flew yeah. and it, by, by God's grace, the force, uh, forces kept it uh, on the peg, I guess. But I remember that story coming out. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, you know, uh, if you're a politician or somebody who's uh, causing trouble, you might you might want to consider if you want to get in a light plane or not, or even yeah. a big plane for that yeah. matter. It's, yeah. They're not. They're not. No. They're not. Uh, they're not. Uh, if they want you bad enough, uh, they'll take out the whole plane, i.e., Larry McDonald. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, i.e., yeah. Well, uh, uh, Brown too. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ambassador Brown right. uh, and the and the Clintons, you know, they took that out. And then, uh, what was that? What was that CIA? United crash in Chicago. Um, Jiminy Christmas. Uh, I tell you, my sometimes my brain's yeah, but, like a well, silly. no, no, Daryl. It's just there's been so many of them. They all blend. <laughs> How about that? Uh, <laughs> Amanda was Scully in Chicago, the pilot. No, it was. Uh, uh, he was. He was a. He was a serious spook. Uh, he got in on the Watergate uh, break-in, and uh, his his son came out with a book that you know his oh, dad G. was Gordon in Lydia on. Oh, or um, no. Now he had a deathbed confession where he said, uh, "Hunt, oh, hunt, oh, uh, yeah, hunt. He, yeah. He, he, he Howard, hunt. E. Howard yeah. Hunt. Yeah, he, uh, his son wrote a book, right. uh, publicizing uh, his dad's deathbed confession that, uh, yeah, he was part of murdering JFK and uh, his wife, who had incriminating information uh, about all this, uh, her and her secretary." Uh, died in the uh, airliner crash in Chicago uh, under very mysterious terms. So, 
Anyway. Well, I know I was watching, you know, Bill Holter. We get over and touch on the financials because there's a lot to talk about going on there. But a while back, a couple of years ago, there was one of those interviews with him and uh, uh, Sinclair and Holter on the same one. And he got off into a story. And at the as he was telling it, and you could see, I mean, you can read between the lines here. And he was talking about his wife got killed on a flight that he had to back out of at the last minute. And I, that's part of what yeah. motivates him, I can promise you. And he knows these well, guys because he was in them from the time it, he was born, you know. Isn't it interesting that Huey Long dies? Uh, and, and how about uh, how about Will Rogers in this yeah. uh, with Wiley, Wiley Post, Post and, uh, and they die up in Alaska under mysterious terms? After uh, Will Rogers announces, well, Stevenson, uh, uh, Will Rogers announces he's he's going to run for president. Uh, well, that, that that's not going to happen. Nick Nick Beg um, Nick Begich's father, guy that comes out on all of the uh, 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 the harp stuff for so many years. Nick Begich Jr. Yeah, his father they off. Yeah, then there. There's a Wisconsin senator that died uh, oh, yeah. in the early 2000s. Uh, he was a Democrat, but he was he was uh, conservative. He, he was he was trying to do good, do good things, you yeah. know, and uh, and he died. So yes. it just that long it's a long list, long list, long list. Long the guys trail. book you're reading: William T. McFadden, all these great Americans. Lindbergh, uh, old man stands up for him, so they kidnap his son's baby. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, Amanda's yeah, for, joined for us, us today. Yep, Forrestall too. Shouldn't forget him. Uh, and then an eleven, yes. we've got a eleven mystery eleven. There's with us. Hey, welcome you guys. Hope everything's all right. How Amanda's probably. Bono? Hey, okay, Sonny Bono. Sonny, gosh, you you must have missed you missed the tree. <laughs> hey, Sonny, uh, yeah. where else? Where else would y'all like to go? We've just been doing some casual conversation. Is there anything to really sink our? Yes, <laughs> all these people being killed, pretty casual. You know, it's just like we take it and right in stride. Is there anything really important happening? <laughs> I have a question. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, as I was looking over, I don't know if it was your affidavit or DJ's, and it says somewhere in there about being a man. So I was wondering about, you know, women, when the 14th Amendment happened, uh, I don't think women had the vote yet. No, they so didn't. So does it matter? Should I put what? a natural living woman or just leave it as man? I you just leave word? it's a generic term from those days. Is it one of the court sites or something that in there? And I don't know the statement or the context. You just say and pulling a word out of there. Uh if it right. if if it if it didn't get any if it came from DJs and they didn't give it any flack, I wouldn't worry about it. Usually those in those contexts are taken generically and not in this hypersensitive uh, gender divisive world we've got now. So, did the Fourteenth Amendment apply to women as well as men? I guess all, 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 all persons, born or naturalized, okay. and who are there? They have to be born or naturalized in the United States, 
and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That's where the hook is, and. Right. And that's where the fraud comes from them putting this system in and tagging you at birth. Okay, and if there's people that are and subject, then obviously there's people that are and not, probably not grammatically correct, but you get my drift. Yes. That's a big term. You know, listen, I didn't even come on that. It didn't hit me until within the last six, eight, ten months maybe a year, one day it just bam. And the reason that I was so ashamed of myself is that was Al Adisk's whole his whole case turned on the word and. Are you familiar with that? That incident? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, it may, I know it's repetitive for some folks on the show, but this is an important case. Okay, and Al Addisk. Has anybody seen Al pop his head up in the last couple of oh. years? I try. I've got yeah, his we, connected. We were we're connected on Skype, and I shot him a Skype message, and I never heard anything back from him. I'm, I hope nothing's happened to him. I, I haven't heard that it is. Well, the last the the last connection I I've heard anybody having uh, around here was me, and uh, I emailed him, and he forwarded me his uh, big list of questions right. that he had submitted to uh, the IRS. Which, uh, um, this interesting guy, Amanda, and back in the '90s, he had a a pretty recognized uh, nationwide, what do you call it, uh, what, little news uh, monthly magazine uh, called the Anti-Shyster, tabloid's the word I'm looking for, tabloid-type magazine called the Anti-Shyster. And it was all going into law and stuff and cases and what was happening. He was pretty, he's very astute. He was a roofer, and he got into a divorce and a child custody battle, and that's how he got into the arena. P different people have different doors, you know. And uh, so he w had a lot of notoriety around the country, especially the legal people like us that were chasing the legal end of this. And um, uh, the feds, he had a couple out there in Texas who were manufacturing this right up your alley now. They were manufacturing colloidal silver. And the feds wanted to come after them, except they wanted to do it through the state of Texas. And so the FDA came and got the assistant attorney general for the state of Texas to personally prosecute this case. And it had been going on for about almost five years. And they had spent a half a million dollars just in the prosecution of this couple. But they were smart enough to put their business into a trust. Okay, And so there was a trust involved. And what they did, because of Al's notoriety, was they assigned him the trustee position of the trust after the thing had been going on for five years. So now with that legal action, he's what's called enjoined. Okay, He's automatically enjoined in the case because he's a trustee of the trust that's being prosecuted. So he goes back and starts reading all of the old laws back to the turn of last century and the original food and drug laws. And he found a clause in there that said and referenced this phrase, man and other animals. And he said, I'm not an animal. I'm made in my and God's image. And he went in and had a meeting with the assistant attorney general of Texas and said, I'm made in God's image. I'm not an animal. And they folded their tent and walked away. Wow. That's cool. Okay. 
And because, see, they have, they have no defense for that. It's just like this affidavit. They've got no defense for that. And after all those years, and Al and I did shows for about a year and a half once a week. He's a great guy. He's got a keen legal mind. And he's the one. The reason we're where we're at is because one day in one of those shows, he starts talking about the presumption of law. I'd never even considered it before. So he added a big piece to this, okay? And uh, uh, God bless Al, but it, it was still a number of years before one day I went, well, Ann's in the 14th Amendment too. And it stops them cold. I maintain you could put that one thing in there and send it to them. The 14th Amendment says and subject, not our subjects, and send it to them notarized, and they'd have to accept it and respect it. It doesn't matter what you do to rebut the presumption. The important thing is the, uh, the, the presumption is rebutted. We touched on it yesterday a bit on Ron Gibson. Now, you weren't around here in February. We had a guy, this may be interesting to you, Amanda, named Ron Gibson out in California. For 30 years, he's been helping people get a loyal title to their land. And he's been a crackerjack success at it. He's done it a whole bunch, both both Brent and Chris on this call right here were at a, a recent uh, seminar of his down in Arizona. Well, it hit me that because we understand a lot of the complicated legal part of this, property can't own property. So if you get your land free and clear, then you have that status by default. Otherwise, you couldn't own the property. So there's another way to do this, Okay. And there's probably, I saw a video of some legal guys the other night saying, oh, you file all these papers with the court, and then you default them, and you do this, and you send 20 copies to 80 people, and after all that, you can get out of it. Well, this, you know, that's just a pain in the ass. Have you ever had to get involved with any legal stuff, Amanda? Uh, no, not really. Well, you are, consider yourself one lucky gal, Okay. And hopefully you never will have to be because I'm going to tell you, it, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, they take control and ruin your life. Yeah, well, I, I'm interested in this, this land deal thing. Um, I'd like to learn more and maybe you could message me offline with the name and, or something or send me a YouTube video because I'm driving right now. And I can't okay, well, no problem. Uh, we can give you Ron's phone number. He's written a couple of books. Uh, should get him back on the air, really, but I've lost his phone number when I had to close my Skype account. So I can get it back, though. One of our Samuel, our buddy Samuel's in touch with him, and I guess Chris and probably Brent have that information, too. But yeah, I, have it. I have it, too. He'll uh, he'll charge you seven hundred and fifty dollars and write all your name and the book names. Uh, Ron Gibson's the gentleman's name. I don't remember. He's got several books. Okay. Well, hold on, Roger. I, I have it. Oh, Daryl's got him. You know, the librarian here's got him. Uh, yeah, Amanda has two books. Uh, one is uh, what you need. I'm sorry. Just go ahead and say them. She can't write. She's driving, but we'll I, get I we'll get you oh, I, we'll I, get I, you the info. Right. Yeah, uh, it, one book is uh, what you need to know about land patents, uh, and uh, and the other book, which is a uh, smaller one and probably an intro, intro. It's kind of an introduction. Uh, you are not a slave. Private property tax information: what you need to know and how to protect your rights. So 
uh, there's two of those books and Ooh, I like I'm that. sure I had it. I have. Yeah. So the first, the first thin book, there's spiral bound. Amanda provides uh, a, a conceptual insight and pre- establishes the premises, uh, sort of unwinds the knots in your head. And then the next one goes into uh, a lot more detail about how to actually accomplish these things. And uh, I'm sure I have his, I know I do, I have his phone number and all that stuff and email I can. Okay. I have it somewhere also. The other book he has is what you need to know about land patents. How does that relate to whether you have a trust on your property? Well, when you're a free holder of private grants of land made patent, it makes you the at least the conservator or the landlord, the steward of the creator's property here on earth. And it gives you a higher capacity of ownership because only freeholders of land could be qualified electors in the several states. And that is the capacity to have a vested interest because of your tie to the land and the law of the land as being a freeholder of private grants of land made patent, which is the highest form of land ownership in America. And of course you can't own that land. You can't own it free and clear unless you're a free person. It it falls under the category and the, and the premises of the, of the, it falls under the premises of the category of the people prior to, uh, uh, actually, uh, the 14th Amendment in 1871. <laughs> and uh, so you, this this is the part they can't rebut. You know, there, there's actually, you know, I, 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 we haven't really talked about it here, but there's at the very least two constitutions. <laughs> and there's, there's the Constitution uh, of America, United States of America, and then there's the Constitution for uh, United States of America. And uh, the 1-4 is the category that uh, y- you want to be a part of. You, you don't want to be a- uh, associating yourself and your-, your perspectives with the Constitution of the United States of America, which is, uh, uh, you know, I'm-, I'm kind of playing a little fast and loose here, but that you can – you can timeline it and event it in uh, as the corporation that comes out of 1871 uh, in the district of Columbia. So, and if you uh, really want to get into that, and there's a lot of sticky research there because there, you know, the incorporation of DC in 1871, a lot of Patriots go and see the incorporation. Now, Larry B. Craft is somewhat esteemed attorney from Northern Alabama up there. Patriot guy did a research. He does excellent legal research and briefing. He's an attorney and, uh, he has it where they repeal that law. Uh, six months or a year later, and that's never brought and, and up they did. in the Patriot community. But my they, question is this: If they repealed the incorporation of D.C., why didn't they undo the Fourteenth Amendment? It still says subject to the jurisdiction thereof, singular. They were honing the well, edge. What what you find is uh, what you find is they did repeal it, but then. Over the subsequent next uh, three to four years, 
they worked all the operative aspects of it back into legislation. So, yeah. And then, interestingly enough, one of the big financial crimes that you may read about, Daryl's well-versed on this, is called the crime of 73. And that happened in that same time frame. And what they did, because the Comstock load out there in Nevada, the biggest silver deposit ever found on the, uh, close to the face of the earth, called the Comstock load, and it's the reason we had all that silver coinage. And you could mine your silver and go to the mint and have a minute for you and your gold too, okay? And what they did by changing one word in a piece of legislation, between the time it was passed and the time it was published, is they had silver withdrawn from circulation. And now we were on a pure gold standard, and they can easily control that, as was evidenced by uh, right before that time, I think in the 1850s, when a, a real villainous financial guy up there named Jay Gould and one of his ghoulish partners cornered the gold market. Okay, so uh, the, the bimetallic metal standard is far better. But all that, th all that stuff was happening right in that time frame when all of this transition was getting set in. Now, there's an interesting case uh, right in that time frame, and it was after Slaughterhouse and before all the Wong Kim Ark and stuff a decades later, and it was dealing with an American Indian named uh, 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 Elk versus Wilkins was the case, and it was in 1876, I think. Are you familiar with that in the scope of this, Amanda? It's interesting color. Um, no. uh, okay, well, it was after the 14th Amendment. In this time frame, it was starting to be established and recognized throughout the culture and society. And so out in uh, Nebraska or Iowa, somewhere out in there in the territories, there was an Indian reservation, and Elk was an Indian. And he came into town, and he tried to register to vote. Wilkins was the registrar. And he came in to register to vote, and Wilkins, he came in to register to vote under the 14th Amendment. And Wilkins says, you can't be under the 14th Amendment, and he sends him and will not register him, sends him back home. So election day comes up, and Wilkins is on the polls. And Elk comes again and tries to vote, and Wilkins won't let him vote. And and so it went to the Supreme Court. Well, what what was the decision? Elk couldn't be a citizen of the United States because it was only for blacks. He was a sovereign. So it's got some, you know, it's had some interesting decisions and some twists and turns along the way. And then they took it in 1896. They took it from the black only and they expanded the superstructure to where it included Chinese, Mexican peons, and, uh, oh, yeah, quote, uh, uh, parentheses, whites in about 100 years, 50 or whatever. So uh, it's been a progression in the way they had this to cause the Civil War to get it in. And I read or heard the other day somewhere, guys, and we haven't talked about this, a statement that, tilted my head it said the 14th amendment was written in the city of london doesn't surprise me at all okay 
It's there's some slick <laughs> wording there, and how they set this thing up with the Thirteenth Amendment having voluntary servitude, legal by omission, and tying it back into the states through the word resident, the last word in the first clause. I mean, it is set up brilliantly. Well, um, <clears throat> the. Uh this is a very interesting time period right after the uh, uh, the, the Civil War to bring in the civil law. And uh, the, the crime of 1873 uh, allowed them to destroy the bimetal uh, standard in, in money and currency. But uh, I, I know you'll find this, everybody listening will find this just uh, unbelievable. But it, it had to do... Uh, the, the destruction of silver, uh, monetization of silver was related to uh, the Civil War bonds. <laughs> and the the bonds hadn't been, the, the bondholders hadn't been paid off yet. Ah. And, and uh, they, they wanted to be paid off in uh, real money instead of uh, funny money. That they had bought the bonds in, so they they basically bought the bonds in funny money, but they wanted paid back in real money, and uh, so that was that's part of the setup. It was a part of a bond game or a debt game with the uh, Civil War bonds, and uh, of course, you, you know the bankers had to be involved in there somehow. You know, Amanda or anybody else that's interested, really interested in the details of it. Uh, there's a really little simple book called uh, A History of Monetary Crimes by the economic badass of his day, Alexander Delmar. You can buy this for about eight bucks off of uh, Barnes & Noble or eBay, and uh, it's a treasure. And uh, he was a Jew, <laughs> but he was telling the truth. And uh, uh, Daryl, so, you sent you sent an email out the other day with something that you'd pulled off the back of Solari. And we didn't we hadn't talked about it on the on the show. And you did you you got a copy of that? Par Amanda, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you gonna? What were you saying? Okay. Uh, Daryl sent this email out. It was pulled from the back of Solari. He's a member over there. That's okay. I was just. Okay, no problem. And in that, and it was about this in the early money in the U.S., Daryl, did you pick out the sentence in there where it said warehouse receipts were circulating as currency in that day? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I, uh, Give some background uh, yeah. on this. Give, you're more familiar with well, it. Give this background for the audience. Well, I... I I'm really not prepared, Roger. I thank you for offering that, but I'm, I really don't feel prepared to talk about it. So, okay. Well, uh, it, it was unusual. Because uh, it's important. But yeah. It's yeah. unusual to see that phrase that warehouse receipts were circulating as currency. It jumped out at me when I saw it because we talk about warehouse receipts and their capacity, the way they're being used, we think, in this scheme as uh, your birth certificate is acting as a warehouse receipt. It's serving two functions, well, duality, you know, like they're so good at doing. Yeah. And uh, and behind it, the one in the shadows, is it's acting as a warehouse receipt. Now, the important thing about that is, in that legal instrument, is the warehouse receipt takes on the physical qualities of the good. 
So let me clarify that. Back in those days, if you had a bunch of bales of cotton, bales of cotton in the warehouse, you can't go haul around big bales of cotton. And the important other thing is bales of cotton are not fungible. You know, they're not like ear, like ears of corn or grains of corn or grains of wheat. They're, they're not all the same. They're different. They're different weights, possibly different wrapped, whatever. But so the warehouse receipt would be written for a bale of cotton. And as the judge in this case that John used as an illustration of this when we were in those seminars, the, the judge says, and this, I think this is exact wordage, the good takes on a shadowy existence and becomes the paper. So that bale of cotton right. isn't a bale of cotton anymore. It's that paper. And with that paper, you've got constructive possession. Yeah, they, they become, they become uh, the uh, use of fructor, <laughs> the user of the fruit. Uh, and uh, you, you have been uh, hypothecated. This this even sounds bad, doesn't it? Just yeah, it just does. the words sound bad. And and, and to give uh, you, a, you a modern day example of this, when M, when MF Global went under, remember Gerald Salenti had a bunch of money in that, and all these guys. It was the yeah. senator, the ex Goldman guy, from the former governor of New Jersey and senator uh, Cors Corzine was his name. And in that whole fiasco, there's a headline on one of the news feeds the morning after it happened, and there's a guy in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and he's saying, Corzine couldn't have stolen the gold. We've got the warehouse receipt. Yeah. So the, the warehouse, this is, this is really important. Uh, the, the warehouse receipt now becomes the, the mechanism by which they trade the bodies and souls of men in bondage. Yep. in bond yep and this this is directly this is straight out of revelations uh i think it's uh, 13 and 18. uh towards the end and it talks about all the things that they can no longer the horror of babylon can no longer sell and trade it's actually the synagogue of satan and and it's the bodies and souls of men and and this is just how uh, uh inverted and corrupt and satanic all this is and uh, so I, it, it's really it's really quite disturbing to people when they actually start to get their head around this, you know, <laughs> that this is what I, I think this is part of the reason why why uh, uh, not to speak for him. I, I don't know if he's still on here or not, but Brian is so uh, fierce about this. <laughs> he's tenacious, so, you know, uh, uh, it, and it's fierce. been. It's been wonderful for me as as somebody trying to get this information out to reach out and find people like a Daryl and a Brian and, and a Chris and these other guys that latch onto this. And you bring it in, you make it part of you, and it changes your life. I mean, I look at the, my life before I knew this information as life number one, and I'm in life number two, 2A now at this point. But what a joy to be able to get this absolute rubber meets the road truth out and not only get it to other people, but see them incorporate in it and change their lives. Hey, Roger, I was, I was, uh, making something here to eat mid morning, but I'm listening from the background. I heard something. What was the question? I don't remember. Uh, we, 
we were just talking. We, we were talking about you, Brian. Yeah, and, we were talking about you being tenacious, tenacious D, and, <laughs> and fierce. <laughs> well, you know, hey. Daryl and I both agree. Uh, we were joking around, you know, in past times that we we uh, came up with names, and I think honey badgers, what I've stuck with, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, just like thing when you realize that the system's totally rigged and it's a joke and then you become aware of it and it's really, I mean, I, I don't know. Everybody's not the same. I can't speak for everybody, but if you fear the creator, yeah, then what else do you have to fear? Because these people are just cockroaches and once you can shed the light on them, they're not going to answer. They're going to pull every trick in the book to hide and dishevel the story, but I mean, that's my two cents. It's just a whole big, complex, stacked game built on fraud at every level. Amanda, I wanted to ask you this because I don't think we've covered this so far. This is another really interesting wrinkle on the fraud. Do you know how the monetary system works? If I was to tell you that every loan in America was fraud, would you really understand that, the mechanisms of it? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to enlighten you a little bit. This came from a guy that was a CPA expert witness. His name is Tom Schaff. He's been pretty well scrubbed off the net at this point years ago. I met him early on in this because I heard him on a radio show one night late listening on WWCR. And Tom Schaff had become an expert witness. Uh, I don't know how he had achieved it, but he had become, he was a CPA already and he'd become a forensic expert witness where he could get up and make that big money doing expert testimony. And what he found out was there was no place in the country that accredited CPAs to become expert witnesses. And so he said, well, you know, there's the perfect formula for a business, find a need and fill it. And so he opened up a school to be able to license other CPAs to become expert witnesses. And he's given this school to these CPAs, and one of his students is a federal regulator. And he says, pulls Tom aside, and he says exactly what I said to you. Every loan in America is a fraud. And the expert witness CPA looks at the other one and goes, what? And he says, let me show you what they're doing. So let's say you and Alan want to go out and buy a new car, and you go out and find the one you want, and they say, well, that'll be, you know, $70,000. And you go, well, I don't have $70,000. Well, we'll finance it. So we take you in there, and we put you down, and you sign a financing agreement, right? I, I Alan, and Amanda promise to pay so many payments of so much per month, so much principal, so much interest. And then at the bottom, you sign it. Because we're under commercial law now, that becomes a piece of paper identified as negotiable paper, a promissory note, your promise to pay an income stream. So they take that financing agreement back to the financial institution, and in double-entry bookkeeping, they put it and enter it on the liability side of the ledger. Okay, you've, you've got a document that's worth money and you put it on your books as a liability. Huh? Well, now you, they take that note and they discount it into the secondary market to an investor and get back less than the term. And they take the cash and the cash is put on the asset side of the ledger and they write a check to the car company to pay off the car and keep the profit. 
So you see, they never loan you anything. You loan them your signature on a promissory note, negotiable paper that's then manipulated to appear as if they loaned you money. The, uh, the, the way I like to look at it, the way I like to look at it, Amanda, because, uh, I mean, Roger's exactly right, but my, my shortcut on this is that they've, they don't have any basis in what they've loaned you. They have no basis. There's, there's no, there's no there there. But um, guess what? They get it they, as collateral should you default. Right. And so uh, this is a uh, unconscionable contract because uh, you, if you understood this, you wouldn't do it. Um, and I know back in those early days, they had some people that took this to court on their homes and they gave them the key to their homes and put the court decision under seal. Nobody that was up else. in Minnesota, wasn't it? it I was think a, it was in Arizona, but I don't yeah. know for sure. But the important thing is they put the case under seal, which means nobody else can see it. The, the thing I, I like to say to people, Amanda, and everybody is that you're not confident. You're you're incompetent to take out a loan or even write a check. You're you're not competent to because you don't understand. You don't understand the uh, uh, what's what's happening here. You're 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 literally incompetent, and uh, of course they exploit this. A one hundred percent of all Federal Reserve notes in the uh, in in this arena. Are loaned into existence. Yes. Uh, this comes. Uh, th- this is how money is created, and I, I I make this audacious and bold and provocative statement based upon uh, two little books I have in my hand that come from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. It's called Modern Money Mechanics. It's there in their own words. Yep. Of course, nobody's read it. <laughs> okay. And and uh, uh, and and then they get they get uh, yeah. So let me explain the other side. That was the retail. Let's say this is like retail wholesale. You know, retail wholesale cocktail. And the other side of this is the way that it's created. First of all, here's the process: the Federal Reserve Board gets together. They poll all the other member banks. There's 12 of them in the system, and the head knockers up there get all that information. And they're supposed to look at the money supply and see. Well, yesterday it came up. What was the main thing on the federal selling the Federal Reserve? The elasticity of the money supply, and that's what this is. And so they look at the overall money supply, and let's say, well, we need a billion dollars. Well, they go and place a call to the Bureau of Printing and Engraving that is a government entity even though they got a separate entity that prints the bonds and they say we need a billion dollars it doesn't matter what denominations it's in when they get the billion dollars in Federal Reserve notes printed up the other entity has a billion dollars worth of bonds then they send both of them up to New York to be distributed. Now, this is really important. You know, you've heard the term, the full faith and credit of the United States. So it backs our dollar, right? 
Well, what's yeah. the what's yeah. the full faith and credit of the United States? I mean, you're going to take your Federal Reserve note up to the Treasury and ask them to give you something for it? The full faith and credit is the bonds that underlie the Federal Reserve note. And the full faith and credit right. is that they'll extract your income tax to pay those bondholders their coupon. So they... So- Deliver. So, Let me just finish. I'm gonna, I'll turn it over to you, Daryl. So now they take the bonds and the notes up to New York, and they take the Federal Reserve notes, and they loan them in what's called the overnight rate that you've heard referred to if you've paid any attention to this stuff. They lower it or raise the overnight rate. The overnight rate is the rate that they have for their synagogue buddies, and that's their best rate. Okay. So if the overnight rate is 2.5% and they loan that to Citibank, and you go in to get a loan at Citibank, you're going to pay 5%. It's wholesale retail markup. Okay. Now, hold on, Chris, just hold on a second. So then that goes through the banking side for the Federal Reserve notes. Then they take the bonds that back them, and there's a whole bond market on the side with some of these banks that have made an agreement with the Fed to take so much in bonds, and they have to take it contractually. And there's the problem, because when the bond market turns upside down and the bondholders are holding a bunch of bonds that nobody wants to buy, you got big problems and that's where they are now okay because the bond market is three to ten times bigger than the stock market amanda oh yeah yeah well uh, i just want to say this and then i'll yield to chris don't forget your question chris or your statement uh, the these bonds that that roger is talking about uh they, they like to play with words and they'll say treasuries. Right. We're talking about the same things, a, a treasury. And, and a lot of people, when they get it, they get really oh. deep into a certain area of information. They'll, they'll use short, they'll use lingo. And uh, which is very confusing to the uninitiated. <laughs> so the treasury bond is, is, that's the full name for it, the treasury bond. And could I please and, insert this? Bond is the root word of bondage. Which goes along exactly with what I'm going to say now. I'm going to give you the definition of a treasury bond. Uh, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm going to give you the definition. It's very simple. It's one sentence. A treasury bond is a future claim on tax revenues. Yep. And they get a tax revenue from the collateral and you are the collateral. And this is this is how they profit. One of the one of the revenue streams, there's multiple revenue streams here, but this is one of the revenue streams that they profit from uh, of your time, talent and energy off your body and soul that has been sold uh, into the uh, <laughs> discount now and uh, so there's an interesting uh, remedy here that's good now there let's not look at the doom and gloom there's an interesting remedy should we ever get a chance to exercise it is there's a number on those bonds amanda called a qsip number c-u-s-i-p i think is the way it's spelled and that number traces the bond back to who holds it so they can receive payment. If you could ever get this 
fraud thing proven, there ain't no national debt because it's all based on fraud and you know who the big owners are. And if there's people that got sucked into this that could should be reimbursed, that, that were innocent, you know, the little people, they should get reimbursed on their bonds because they didn't know the fraud was involved. The big guys did. They created it and managed it. I still have two questions. Okay, Chris, we're going to turn it over to you right now, front and center. Well, one in that full faith and credit concept clause, I wonder how they spell full or put a new spell on it. It could be F-double-O-L instead of F-U-L-L. And also, that future revenue, that's a revenue where they move it from your pocket to their pocket. Yeah, and, and, and what, look what all of these things are that are controlling us are all futures mechanisms. The futures in the controlling the price of, uh, of the metals, the futures are controlling the whole country through this fraudulent system, your payments, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess the old saying is if you control the future, you kind of control the present, don't you? Yes. To some extent. So th- this goes back to Orwell. Yeah, it goes back to Orwell, but – the take one of the takeaways, one of the takeaways for the people who are listening, is that you need to, uh, over the last ten minutes here, have been given a a really reasonable explanation of how you are funding your own uh, destruction. You are personally participating in your own abuse. You're doing this through learned helplessness and conditioning. And you are funding your own. And you're giving them their your consent the whole time. Shazam. (laughs) How can they do this? Well, because you're giving them your consent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the Bard and Tale of Two Cities, we're weaving the rope to hang ourselves with. What was it? What's the opening lines? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Uh-huh. Yeah. What what this does, it also accomplishes something else that you're seeing play out before you in real time at this very moment, is it destroys the middle class. Ooh, boy. We're, we're in the greatest destruction of the middle class. Now, I, w- I want to define something for you here. Middle class isn't what you think it is. Middle class is not somebody who's making X amount of money necessarily. Middle class is somebody who can support themselves outside of their system. An independent, an entrepreneur, a small personal business man or woman. And all these people have to be destroyed so that you have to work or be subject to your your overseer, which would be a corporation, where they can uh, control that. So... At this point, you become dependent. If you destroy the middle class, then everybody becomes dependent. Okay. Uh, uh, That's one of the main objectives here. That's what's going on. uh, Got a couple of 11s with us. Any 11s besides Sonny Bono want to speak up? No, I guess not. Sonny, I was really – that was tragic for me the day you hit the tree, buddy. Um, Yeah. Uh, okay, well, this there. has been a good. Oh, there's an 11 wants to speak in. Bob, welcome, probity. Yes, yes. Probity. I, uh, 
had it in my pocket. I couldn't get to it quick enough. Um, speaking to Amanda and anybody else who's a little bit newer. Talk right in your microphone, Bob. Yeah, sorry. I got it in my pocket. I was trying to work. Um, the, the site, S-I-T-E, not C-I-T-E, the website for Weiss Parish has some really interesting historical data or historical evidence on the meaning and intent of the 16th Amendment. And it also brings up what the, the whole setup, if you will, on the United States. You know, Daryl was talking about the incorporation and, and Roger, the incorporation and according to Ray Beecraft, then the disincorporation, but then reinstating through legislation the, the very principles. It might be interesting to note that uh, the they, on this particular website, West Paris, under the resources, they have some examples of tax forms I don't remember which forms exactly, but I believe it was in 2014, and the newer ones don't say this, but it says this, uh, the overview of this particular paper, you know, it has to deal with the United States, but it has an asterisk, and when you go down and see what it means, it says, for the purposes of this document, the United States means the District of Columbia, and the outlying territories, or something of that nature. It's just there in bold print. The, the we know terror, it, we no. talk about it, but it's a place where they put it in their own terms on a public document. And, of course, it's also in the statutes, et cetera, et cetera, and, and all that. But it's, it's, it's just interesting Bob. to see it right there in black and white. Yeah. Well, and what they said yeah. was the United States is the District of Columbia and the territories. The only time I've ever seen them use that term, outlying territories, is over, over Sorry, trying right. uh, to hide uh, hide the American Samoa deal. But it, it yeah, is. It, it, it was that. It wasn't the outlying territories. Uh, with, with, the, uh, with the esteemed uh, group of people here, I have a question that actually came to me last night. So if we have a corporation, uh, this is just a general question. If, if, if you're reading about, thinking about, exposed to a corporation, don't you presume at some level there's an owner of the corporation? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, under this, uh, I, have the, I have the obvious question. Who's the owner? Who owns that corporation? <laughs> <laughs> if the United States, for the purpose of this, uh, it, the United States is a corporation, well, then tell me who the owner is. Can I? Who are the principals in that? Why would I? Want I, I am. I'm well, let me proffer. I, I'm asking a question I don't know the answer to. Well, I'm going to proffer maybe some sort of an answer, at least from the time frame with an oh, Abraham Lincoln quote. Yeah. And during, before his assassination, he is reputed to have said, I have two enemies, the Southern Confederacy at my front and the bankers at my rear. Of the two, I fear the latter. 
well uh, it 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 uh, he he was right they they shot him <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, it so could be yeah. seeding company or the east india tea company well they so were already the they were they were had their little beehive going up there in New York, and it all centered around that time, mostly the railroads, okay, and the formation right. and the laying of the railroads. This is another Abraham Lincoln quote. You know, he did. He said some things that were pretty pretty straightforward, and this had to do with that time. And the argument was whether we were going to have England build the steel rails or whether we were going to build something to build them. And Lincoln's comment was pretty interesting. He said, if England builds the rails, we'll have the rails, and England will have the money. If we build the rails, we'll have the rails, and we'll have the money. Hmm. That's pretty advanced thinking. It is. I don't, I don't know that most people understand that today. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the crack, difference. We'll have the crap and they'll yeah. have our money. It's the difference in who gets to do the value added of the manufacturing. Well, it, what it, ended it up, actually. What ended up, we oh. ended up having three rails, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In essence. Well, you. Uh, it appears we got railroaded, but yeah. uh, the uh, the uh, the thing I want to uh, bring out here that there's been a really a, actually a very great foundation this morning for the last 25 minutes laid in this conversation for what I, I want to sort of segue this, if I may, or the idea is that <clears throat> this whole idea of, of this thing called money and debt and bonds and uh, how you uh, are attached to it is a form of control. It allows them to control the collateral. Okay, this whole mechanism is about using you as the collateral, and it works pretty doggone good. Okay, but there's a lot of little things that slip out the sides with them. One of them is cash. One of them is barter one of them is some of these other areas they don't have absolute control of the collateral now once you understand that you and you you see these what they would refer to as black market operations or unaccountable untraceable this can't exist in a technocracy in a socialist technocracy this cannot be allowed to exist you have to close all the holes in the sieve or the dike or whatever metaphor you want to use analogy. So when they, when they move this into the next reset and they incorporate the technology into it, uh, all the, for, for all practical intents and purposes, all the holes will be plugged and they won't have to use money, uh, even fictionally based on, on, uh, real money or some other asset or value, gold or silver. What I am saying is that the reset is going to involve going into basically what amounts to digital script. Yeah. Company script. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and what this will also allow them to do, which is something 
that the B system has to do is it will, it's the holy grail for them. It provides perfection of collateral. They will have perfected it. Okay. Isn't that just make you feel warm and fuzzy to understand that they have perfected the collateral. And not only that, there's another legal term that I think comes into play here called a holder in due course. Amanda has dropped off probably in a bad cell. Uh, But that may come into play too. You know too much about that, Chris? Holder in due course? Yep. Holder in due course. A landlord. A landholder. A freeholder. Well, if you're going in contracts, you know, where somebody has, has discounted these notes, for instance, to, to use an earlier example, and they discounted it and they discounted it, well, there comes a question of title in there as to who is the holder in due course, and it's real complicated. I remember being exposed to it in the paralegal stuff, and it was uh, very complex, but there definitely is a chain of title and a, uh, a definite owner that is called the holder in due course. So, for Brent, Brent when you probably. Get to the point where they re- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Where they reset this, this digital money. Guess what they're going to do right after they get control of the digital money? They're going to outlaw gold and silver. They may. They, they, they can do out. that if they want, but they won't be able to do it. They can. It's like all this other stuff they say they can do that they can't control. And don't forget, they, you, they can only, it, it says they lose, you know. They've lost 1,030 times previously in history when they've tried to do this. You think this is going to be the one time they win? They, they can, listen, uh, they, they can only do, yeah, they can only do these things that they're doing now because uh, everybody has consented. Correct. You have to stop consenting, Okay. Herd mentality. Yeah, Yeah, they're right. And, you know, the thing that's ironic to me after being in this for so many years is they're right. See, the herd, the humanity is like a herd, and it does to some extent need some guidelines. It's just the question as to who's going to do it and who's going to lay down the guidelines. It's what you want to believe well, in. It's the belief system. Believe is. in. They control the media, so they have a lot of influence, and I think that's where most of well, it comes from. I think a lot of it has come from the, edu- the education system is the one in the last decades that has really contributed to what we're seeing now. The media enforces it, no doubt. By the way, Sumner Redstone died yesterday, thank God, at 97, the old curmudgeon. Sorry, bastard. You know who he is? Yeah. He's one of the big three media owners. Yeah. Well, uh, you so know, that, that's an important waiver. question. Do what, Sonny? Yeah. Come on, Sonny. Yeah. Come on again. We're stepping on each other a little bit. I know. I, I didn't know, mean to do that, but he turned into a soiling green wafer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I don't eat him. <laughs> <laughs> Sonny's bringing up a really important question here and uh, and uh, I, I think it's particularly important because I it's apparent to me that a lot of people are making assumptions about 
they're assuming there's a, there's a lot of assumptions based inside of Sonny's uh, point and his question there, uh, which is, um, is it important for a, a place to have a, a country or a people, a nation to have a culture? Is, is I mean, is that an important thing? Um, listen, this, right. is, this is pretty serious right here. An Air Force helicopter yeah. was shot out of the air over Virginia today. Yeah. Whoa. Well, <laughs> okay. Like uh, Vietnam here. Yeah. What was that on Zero Hedge? Yeah. Just popped up. It shot out. You know, the label, shot out of you know, the label with copper, don't you? Pardon me? It was shot over Virginia. You know, Maybe it was hijacked and taken uh, and weaponized, and it was shot down for a defensive maneuver. Don't don't know. All I know is maybe what popped was, up. There. Maybe that was maybe on. that was Marine One. Don't I don't think so. But uh, that's if there if these Black Lives Matter Antifa cats are starting to shoot military helicopters out of the sky, we've turned the page. I mean, one thing shooting them with commercial right. lasers, all right, but it's another thing shooting them with guns. It's just as bad. Both of them. They've got a couple of those pilots, Daryl. I hear oh, that it, still it, haven't it, gotten their yeah. their their uh, sight back yet from that. Was that so a satellite rate laser? It's they're using. They've gotten a hold of some commercial what? lasers, and the reason I know that is watching a video of one of these congressmen when they were talking about this, and out before the hearing, somebody took him aside with one of those things and said, "Put your hand out here," and he put it about a a, a foot and a half in front of the laser, and he said, "I couldn't leave it there; it burned the hell out of me." And that's What's what they're using. Out in Portland, Oregon, right now. Yeah. So yeah, we'll actually, yeah, we, yeah, they, they get, they get blinded. But it's interesting is that, uh, we had several, uh, notices back when I was flying from the FAA about different locations, uh, where these sort of activity was going on. One of them was Las Vegas. Uh, I'm looking at the headline now here and it looks like somebody just, they weren't shot down. They were somebody was shooting a gun at them. Okay. Um, it was and, uh, injuring the crew, so they must have hit them. Yeah they they uh, they they weren't sitting on their flak jacket. You know the the helicopter pilots of Vietnam would sit on their flak jacket. They didn't put it on <laughs> around their shoulders. They they would sit on it. Uh, you can you can imagine why. Yep. So you know the, the old saying about getting your ass shot off. So. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's gonna, you know, when you, you know, this whole Black Lives Antifa thing, psychologically and culturally, is about envy. It's about envy, and uh, the the alt media or the 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 big the big tech people are into censoring. So when you when you destroy the ability to have a legitimate dialogue or discourse, uh, it, this is called censorship. Uh, this results in violence. It always results in violence. When you create a situation culturally where you have, let's just name it for what it is here. It's real simple. It's a two-syllable word. It's called envy, and envy always results in murder. Okay, it always does. So we have, I've just identified two force majeures that are being instigated and facilitated 
that will both result in a period of escalating violence and murder. Okay. This is with forethought of malice and intent. Okay. This is right before you. This, if, if you're confused about this, you don't understand. Okay. <laughs> uh, For Amanda, let me ask her, have, we, have you gotten in on conversations on what he's talking about, the period of escalating violence specifically? No, I haven't. Okay. And, and just for the record, I want to say I am so incompetent on the uh, the money stuff that y'all were talking about that it like it scrambled my That's brain. That's okay. That's okay. It scrambled mine the first time I heard it too. Just sit back and think about it. You don't. You're not going to grasp all of this stuff they've done just boom like that. Generally, you got to work at it. That's why this is a process. Back to this escalating violence, though. This is important. Uh, and I was told this by retired General Benton Parton, Air Force Brigadier General, and his research, he was an authority on it in the country But when he was living. I'm sure he's not with us anymore. Uh, and he told us this story. In uh, 1919 was the first meeting of what they call the Communist Internationale. It's in Basel, Switzerland, I believe. And they meet every, to this day, they meet every 10 years. And at that first meeting, they brought up a blueprint of how they were going to take over countries. And they voted on it when they met in 1929, and it's called the White Papers of the 1929 Communist International. In that document, they laid out four stages, and what Benton Parton told me personally was he said they've used this formula in every country they've taken over since it was passed in 1929. And the thir I don't remember all the stages. You can go search it up. It's available on the web. People have found it and sent it to me when we talked about it previously. But I do remember the third stage. The third stage was the one immediately before the fourth stage ultimate takeover of the country. And the third stage was called the period of escalating violence. And the two things that they had to do it was mandatory for them before they went to the fourth stage was get rid of the death penalty and get rid of the guns. Now, they'll never, they won't get rid of the guns, but they're still trying to get rid of the death penalty. There was a case up in the Northeast last week where they were trying to overturn the death penalty. Fortunately, we've, uh, uh, they have put a few people to meet their just ends here recently up in Indiana. I believe in the federal government has restarted the death penalty. I think the two or three of them have been, have been, uh, 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 gone through that process at this point. But anyway, that's, and you can see that that's what's happening. And that's what they're doing. There's no other reason that Gavin Newsom would let 150,000 felons out of California prisons before the end of August. I, uh, I have a, Go ahead, Chris. Well, I watched Go a rather ahead. intriguing video this morning with Dr. Jim Fetzer and a guy by the name of Jack Amolis. Fetzer's on YouTube now as the conspiracy guy. And this guy had studied the Bolshevik Revolution pretty intently. And I don't dispute anything he said because I think he's right on point. We're seeing the Bolshevik Revolution and signs of revolutionary terrorism in multiple different locations around here in America. Totally agree. And of course, we don't want to, we don't want to leave out the aspects of starvation uh, like they did in the Ukraine, like they did in Russia uh, and Germany after the war, like they did in Ireland. That's a tactic, and there's already stresses on the food supply. There have been attacks on multiple different shipping ports. 
and the food is already reported to be dwindling in California yep. by design. Yep. And of course, they've claimed COVID has infected their supplies. Ca- so California. California. Well, what about China and the pressures it's going to put on a diminished world production? Now, this is something I I saw. I wanted to bring this up and let me poll the guys on here. I'm sorry, Daryl, but I saw it on uh, uh, Monday night on Tucker Carlson, and I have not seen any mention of it anywhere else all week. Sunday, there was a shooting in D.C. where 21 people were shot at an outside picnic. Have any of you heard that or seen anything on it? No. 21 people essentially gunmen came up they were out there with a family or a group or something having a picnic and they just came out and started shooting them 21 of them were either killed or injured was that when they took uh, trump off the stage Uh, no 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 that was monday this was sunday well let's uh there's there's another big news item that nobody's brought up here it's it's not on zero hedge or uh, drudge or anywhere uh, even alt youtube i haven't seen it anywhere is that uh the uh, big windstorm that oh yeah i want to mention uh, that too in, in, north, in north dakota and south dakota border and it sweeps across the entire midwest with 100 mile an hour yep. winds yep and from what i'm what i've been told uh, and i actually contacted my brother my family lives up there is that uh, Iowa State uh, is saying right at this moment that a third of the crop of soybeans and corn in the northern half of uh, Iowa was wiped out. Yep. Gone. Overnight, a storm hit at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it, it, it was straight-line winds, and it went from – North Dakota all the way over to Ohio and, and this Kentucky. Is, this is the early encroachment of the global solar minimum. It's what it evidences to me. You don't have squall lines so, or storms like that in the fall too much. You have them in the spring, right? Well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. This is very unusual, very AB normal. Uh, I, I, nobody in my, I've never heard of anything like this ever before. It, it almost makes you wonder, was this some kind of a uh, weather warfare? Because it, it actually decimated decimated uh, um, huge, I mean, billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, crops for this will be what well, goes back to what Chris was saying. This will this will, um, you know, accumulatively uh, affect uh, not only prices, but availability. And uh, uh, your, your your local stores just just fall in this winter, and 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 we still have a locust infestation in South America that's moving north, and nobody's talking about that either. So, yeah, but it had not too much uh, interesting. Did you see the lightning? Did you see the lightning bolt that hit the, the, that thing in China yesterday? In in Shanghai, I believe, the world's tallest building or something, they got a bunch of TV and radio in that building. It's kind of a weird shape. They call it the Oriental Pearl, I think. And, man, did it get a heck of a sustained lightning bolt at the top. And the Chinese government came back and said, nah, that was just somebody had a different angle that never hit the building. (laughs) Who was trying to say something there a second ago? 
Sonny. Sonny. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, Daryl, uh, taking into consideration that, that jet stream that flies up above us that runs uh, sometimes uh, 250, 300 miles an hour, and it's, a lot of it's changed now, too. So yeah. uh, people don't seem to understand that. Yep, those are guiding currents, well, steering the, the currents. Jet, yeah, the jet stream, the jet stream drives um, the North American jet stream uh, drives all the weather uh, between the jet stream and the sun. Uh, solar heating—that's what drives the weather systems uh, naturally, anyway. And uh, so, the, <laughs> you know, the you know the jet stream, uh, you know, when it it, it you know, it, it doesn't drop down t- towards the ground, but it, it can drive weather phenomenon on the ground, and it, it drives uh, low and high pressure systems. Uh, so, but I, I don't I, know. It, it was. Uh, I did we mentioned that yesterday because I had found out about it right before the show with uh, mine and Amanda's and maybe some of y'all's mutual friend DJ, who has a day job uh, helping some company sell stuff, and one of her customers was up there. And she's the one that shot me a message right before the show, and I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere other than that and you bringing it up with your relatives, Daryl. Rick Wiles, Rick Wiles. If you go to if you go to last night's uh, Rick Wiles presentation, they have some actually have video of it. Uh, Rick Wiles is the only one that I've heard speak of this. Period. And. and, and of course, my family lives up there, and I spoke with them. They called me, but uh, it, it takes a lot to get my brother to call me because he's 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 my brother is is he's exactly the guy you want when tr- things go wrong. You want my brother because he's about six foot two and one hundred ninety pounds, long and lanky. He's a cowboy. He prof- semi professional uh, <laughs> calf roper. He won. Uh, uh, four years ago, and he won number two in his age class in the country. He he can ride a horse, shoot a gun, <laughs> and uh, and he said, and he calls me, okay, and that's not him. <laughs> he's he's a man of few words, and uh, so anyway, I don't know. It, well, bring n- it nobody back. Else yeah to, it, to an important point yeah. is food is going to be an yeah. issue in the future and you can just yeah. ride it on a rock yeah. and bury it okay yeah so uh i you guess know. prices are already starting to spike at the store from the comments i've heard uh of people of different conversations oh yeah Darryl, oh, the, you know yeah go ahead go ahead don't your brother own omaha.com no, <laughs> no, he doesn't. I'm just kidding. About that. Uh, yeah, no. Well, green futures, green futures, and commodities are are a huge, huge component of the uh, GDP and the economy of this country. Uh, and it, you know, a third of the the Midwest uh, grain belt just got wiped out this week, and nobody's talking about it. Doesn't this? Isn't isn't that just a little bizarre? It is. You know? It this is. is this this just goes to tell you just how controlled the media is. All right, as if you needed any more reinforcement. And so, they don't want any warning signals shot up to the public that that's happened at all. 
No. I can't believe somebody hasn't blamed Trump for it. <laughs> I'm I'm no apologist for Trump, but let's be honest, he catches hell for anything that happens. I can't believe they haven't run that one up the flagpole. Well, that's how bad they want to keep it yeah. suppressed and not get the natives restless. The natives are having to get their no paychecks doubt. extended. They're having to get executive orders signed so people don't get kicked out of their houses in this eviction mortgage roll-up that's going to hit us at some point. They they don't want them to think that the food supply is going to be endangered. You think you think right. maybe that, that when this all comes to bear, they just want to slam the door all at once? You know, they want to they want to subsidize all of this to protect everybody somewhat to some degree to a bearable degree of the consequences that have been happening and then all they have to do is just turn the key kind of like 1929 in hoover yeah did any of y'all go and watch that video we talked briefly about the crow house video yesterday uh, a police state australia did any of y'all watch any of that I, yeah, I, I neglected. I, I, I've yeah. neglected to put it on the show description. I meant to, and then it, I couldn't figure out how to edit it and get back in and put it in after I would finish. But uh, man, the, you don't even have to watch more than about two or three minutes of the first of that to see we're going in. We're in the period of escalating violence because this is their big play. This COVID thing's their big play, man. They got right. it mapped out like unbelievably already. Wait until you make you take those vac- vaccinations. That'll be real interesting. They ain't going to make me take them. They, some people may take them, and they, they're, they're going to give them to a whole bunch of people voluntarily. They'll line up to take the damn thing. I'm not taking one. I'll, I'll just see all you guys in, my, in the afterlife. Because uh, you read into that what you will. But I ain't taking it. Don't forget the, the, the only death, thing they the can mandate. The only see this, Sonny. This is where the, this fine line is, and this oh, they're going to mandate this shot. They can't mandate anything except the citizens of the United States and residents. They can't go down into Mexico and grab a Mexican me. national and say you're taking this vaccine. They, they don't care what you're labeled out. There. Pull you out of your car and hold you down and give it to you, just like they're doing blood tests right now. So oh, okay. it's just nonsense about if they can't. They can do anything they want. No, to. they can't. Oh, no, wrong. they cannot. They You're wrong. To. You're wrong. It, they, it has the appearance that they can, no, but they can't. And yes, you are. I Sorry. Well, you think you protected me? What protects you? They only have certain jurisdictions they can exercise all of this power in. If you're not in it, they can't do it. And if they do, there are percussions. Well, look, you don't have to believe me, man. You believe whatever you want, okay? But I'm telling you, they got limits. And they recognize them by and far the most part. They got the guns, and they'll do what they want to do. Okay. Well, if you want to have that attitude and go blissfully along in life, believing they're these all-powerful beings, then you be that way. That's not it. When they when they get into a corner, the first thing they do is they change the rule. They do what they, they want to do. They can't they change God's rules. rules. Sonny, they can't change God's rules, or they'd have done it already. 
That's why they see and respect that affidavit when it's filed. They know their limits. It's you that don't know their limits. So which God's going to protect you? The one that's done so, so far. He's got me through an accident I should have died for, for if you ever see the pictures. The accident was on the front page of every newspaper in Argentina, and the article was, it's a miracle this guy's alive. And it was. Here's, okay? here's the real answer, Roger. The God that we serve is the one that's going to protect The God us. whose laws I follow, Sonny. You want to follow their God and their laws and get into that mess that you're envisioning? Then you go ahead. Well, I, I don't have a God. I have a goddess. Uh, she was in a, a, a movie called Goldfinger named Pussy Galore, and I've, I've loved her ever since. Okay. Well, if that, if that's the God you got, then, you know, I'm going to tell you good luck and, and good luck. Suerte is the way we say it in Spanish. Question, well, Roger. Yes, Where Amanda. I, listen to, I want to listen to this particular episode again, and I want Alan to hear it. But I, I'm having trouble finding where those recordings are okay they're on have you got your pencil yes sir okay cast c-a-s-t like a cast rod or a cast net cast box dot fm and that'll take you to the master site and in the search little window up there you put radio ranch and we've got almost two years of shows up there okay good i just signed into radio ranch because i want to listen to uh, Brian's show. Yeah. I just, I mean, the cast box. On cast uh, box. That, and I think, if I'm right, that we for, we had just started the cast box uh, arrangement, and it was either December 5th or December 7th that we had that show that day with Brian on, and he went over all of his exploits in Idaho with the director of transportation up there and then told the story about the hospitals straight from his mouth. It was almost the entire show. It's really because that's where the rubber meets the road. They stole oh, your good. power at birth. Okay. And then they've been taking people and intimidating them with all of these black robe warriors that can do all, anything they want in the merchant law because you're a piece of property. And they've gotten people like Sonny out there believing that they're all powerful and all omniscient. And they're not. It's an illusion. You don't and, want to be picking on me, Rod. Uh, you don't want to be picking on me too much now. Okay. okay. Well, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of people I, that have bought that. Okay. Well, I, I'm on your side, but you know what? The, I see the power behind it too, and and you got to be you got to be smart enough to to kind of do what you did, and, and that is to put yourself in a position where they're going to have to think twice about doing anything with you. Right now, the, the herd mentality is what's leading everybody around. Yeah, it's like and, you know they've got control of that media. I could write the sodomy, sodomy pedophile larceny center and benign breath, and I could say you're a bunch of sorry slaving kikes. You're nothing but it's all you've been through history. You steal, you lie, you're just. And I could use every cuss word in the book, and they'll never put me on a hate list. Never. Yeah, yeah they call it. And the reason they call it what they what that is called, Roger, is dynamic silence. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's exactly what it is. You, you, if you, if you, uh, put that in your search in dynamic silence and, uh, so they, they won't, 
See, they learned they learned that lesson fairly recently. There was a guy named Perkins, Tom Perkins, that wrote a book called Economic Hitmen that de defected from the International Monetary Fund and said how they do all this stuff. And the State Department tried to go after him, and they put up a website trying to put up propaganda against Tom Perkins. You know what happened? His book sales went through the roof. <laughs> Uh, what a sweet irony. Hey, Roger. Um, yeah, John Perkins. Yeah, whatever his last Roger, name is Perkins. Did you give Amanda, did you give Amanda contact information? Well, we, she knows you're out there, Bob, and I hadn't connected you two directly, that, you know, uh, but uh, certainly everybody knows you're down there. And Terrence popped on yesterday for a minute, and Gary's obviously probably listening so amanda and alan well, the found them because the reason i asked is because the afternoon just an hour or so after the show when we first went on together i got a number i got a call from a 904 number nobody left a message and that was being really so I just no no I that wasn't think, me no i, I have not a maryland phone number okay. 301 yeah but i, I would okay. love well, to this was a landline well, listen. I, I just want to. I want to add something here. I want to add something before we uh, our show wraps up. Alabama somebody, yesterday. So, uh, Daryl, somebody, hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Somebody that's joined us has got a radio or something on in the background. If you could please hit your mutes. We've got a new R and a new eleven or something. Uh, so if you guys could, so somebody just mute yourself out if you're just listening and aren't involved, and it helps us all. Go ahead, Daryl. I'm sorry. Uh, Alabama legislature just passed a law yesterday, and Kay Ivey, the governor, bless her heart, signed it into uh, law that uh, any anybody uh, in Alabama convicted of uh, pedophilia, child abuse, will be chemically castrated for life. Is that right? Yeah, chemical chemical castration. Once you're convicted, uh, mandatory. And uh, so if you're looking, if anybody's looking for a place to move where they, they still have some semblance of uh, uh, propriety, uh, I, I'm going to give Alabama a big thumbs up. Now, it ain't perfect, but uh, listen, uh, it's the best place. I, I looked low and high, and uh, this is where I am. So there you go. There you well, go. Do you think that the ACLU's got a lawsuit filed against that yet? Oh, I'm sure they will. Uh, Bob, you're going to have to what? Roger, i got to go here in just a second. But I'd like to mention, gonna, I'd like to mention something. Talk, Bob, talk but right into your microphone, man. Talk right into your microphone so we can hear what you got to mention. You're castigating Sonny. I'm not sure that's the right name. But regardless, your castigation of him about making the point that there's a presumption seems a little bit uh, duplicitous when you operate this whole show on the fact that they're operating on a presumption. And you know that that's a fact. I mean, that they do. He's only pointing out the obvious. When you get, when you got roid rage guys with us stoked up on uh, power and a badge that have got an 85 IQ, telling them what you got going on doesn't impress them. They can't think that way. So he's got a point. That's well, I and Bob don't think I don't understand that. 
I understand that, but I'm telling you, by and exactly. far. Well, I mean, you could concede the point. That's all he's saying. He's not saying. He's the well, he's that's saying why. Well, that's that. why we would caution everybody to take every precaution possible if you think that's a possibility of taking all and weaponizing your notice and letting your local sheriff and your piece of your oh, chief sure. of police and your district attorney know your position. Now you've got them on the defensive. Yeah. Be proactive. You got to be preemptive. You got to You got to be preemptive and you got to be proactive. If I might uh, just bring time in here. Uh, you know, it's just like the the the, the judge learned hand thing. To claim one's rights, one's got to be a belligerent claimant. It doesn't say one's got to be a claimant. It says one's got to be a belligerent claimant. Understood. Okay. If I might, Chris. 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 See you later, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry, Bob couldn't stay along because this belligerent claimant just received a call while we were on. I had to go offline because I can't have both of them going at the same time. It's confusing. But from the uh, defense attorney for the county and uh, talking about our discovery timelines and um, schedule for this uh, case that I've got, because in this case, it's very unusual for me. I'm the prosecution. And so having to be the prosecutor is certainly a role I haven't got much experience in, but I'm trying to uh, study people like uh, Sidney Powell and uh, others that are very astute, Tom Fitton and uh, some of the uh, Trey Gowdy, you know, and others that are pretty good prosecutors and learn some of my skills from them. Well, you know what you got now, don't you? <laughs> a tiger by the tail. You got the burden of proof. Right. Well, that's uh, right. That's a good point. The burden of proof is on the opposition. And uh, it's well, a very I, I don't have position. I don't have any doubt you'll do a good job, Chris. Uh, to, to go back about what Sonny and Chris and uh, Bob was just talking about before we close up here is that. What this bears out is that the politics that you should be trying to influence are all local. Uh, your local sheriff, your local police departments, and your cities. Uh, and this is this will ameliorate this uh, this uh, uh, syndrome that that Bob is referring to, and I think Sonny was too, yeah. which is real. It's real. And, but the best way to ameliorate that. You won't completely abrogate it, but to ameliorate it, uh, you should be involved in your your local politics with uh, your community around you. Uh, and uh, this is another reason why I advocate uh, Alabama, <laughs> because uh, I, I've had I've had conversations with uh, police officers and and. Uh, uh, different different law enforcement around here and they just looked me right in the eye and they said listen if you ever have any trouble out there at the farm he says and, and you you have to shoot them just make sure they're dead okay <laughs> well that case last week that case where the guy was staying in the business and sleeping because it had been robbed and it, the three guys yeah. busted in and he had the shoot shoot one of them there in the hall and he went out into the main store after a minute and what had they done? 
they dragged the guy he shot outside the door. And when the cops came, he yeah. was outside the door. Well, I, I, I just want to advocate it again. You know, these, the, the, these guys around here don't know everything that's going on, but th- they, there's, they're not playing either. They, they still kind of have a, a vestige. They're holding on to who they think they are. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Alabama and this general area, uh, what I can speak of, is has been has been good to me. And see, I'll you know, what what we were alluding to earlier is you always feel like you're on the defensive. They can do anything. They got the funds and they got the guns. All right, but and under that system of law, that's right. But once you've straightened this thing out, now the le- playing field's level, and now you can take a weaponized stance and put them on the defense. Yeah, well, I, I I mean you know the the best way to stay sure. out of trouble is not to cause any. Right. Uh, once you, yeah. You know, once you once you enter into this arena, and you take this position, you you have to you have to change your behavior, okay? And uh, you, you <clears throat> so you, and you you don't want to you don't want to get involved with these people at, at any level. I listen, I obey their okay. speed limits. I obeyed their speed limits. I don't poke the bear in the eye. Okay. I don't do it. I, I know exactly where the speed traps are. And I, and it, it says 45 and I do 44. Okay. I'm, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it's a, a, a little common sense goes a real long way in this. And, uh, Daryl. Hey. Yes, sir. Daryl, are, are you? Daryl, are you within? Are you with Washington D.C. or without D.C.? I, I I didn't get your question. Am I within D.C. or without D.C.? Is that was your question? Chris will pick this up. Are, are you within Washington D.C. or are you without Washington D.C.? Well, I, I I'm not affiliated with Washington D.C. <laughs> okay. Well, the the, the if, term if, with, within and without are very very to know that you know where that it's comes what from been talking about and the difference the difference between the two sides is called integrity we don't have it anymore our, our legal system is, is dropped they're all on the take that that's what that, that phrase you're talking about within and without well, came out of the slaughterhouse cases it was verbatim out of the slaughterhouse cases. We talked about it the other day in the jurats, the, the penalties of perjury. In United States Code, Title 27, I think it's 1746, thank you, Jim, says this jurat is for within the United States and this jurat is for without the United States. Very good. Very good. Nice. In other words, if you're within Washington, you are a U.S. If you're without Washington, you are a national. Correct. That's correct. It's simple. Very simply put, that's correct. And if you unfortunately get answered the question that you're a resident, now you're tied back to the within status. A technical term they use to describe that within and without the federal zone. Yes. As D.C. Yeah. Mitch Modaleski's book from years ago. Murr, did you have something to say? Yeah, mainly for Daryl there, because I know he, uh, Catherine Olson, well, for everybody, but not calling it vaccines. It means cow's blood, and they've got all kind of medical and law wrapped up in that word. 
So call it anything but that. She calls it injectables or injection fraud. I've been calling it stabbing with pus and poison for many years. So call it anything but it is but that word because they've, they've got that word and they'll okay. use it. Well, that uh, yeah. right. Well, almost give Murr the last I, I word. Murr always waits to the last minute more, or two, and that'll be later. <laughs> and so uh, that's where I, we are. I, I think I refer to it as. I think I Mur didn't I refer to it as the murder injection? That's what I call it. Boy, I tell you what, that's Eustace Mullins' murder by injection. You can go to Jim Ram's site, Do It Yourself Health, I believe. Uh, dot com and that's a free download and that is the only history that's ever been written of the american medical association and it's very enlightening What's the name of that movie you were talking about roger that video australia they, oh uh police state australia robert okay. didn't know you were with us brother also by the way i saw over on bit shoot the other night they've got the entire they live movie on bit shoot so if you go over and you've never seen that movie, I think we were talking about it the other day, go to BitChute and in the search put They Live and they got the whole thing. Uh, excellent movie. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll get to play this Allison Weir talk that's 30 minutes long because I do want to get that exposed and uh, maybe that's tomorrow. But good, lively discussion today, guys. I sure appreciate everybody's input and you being there. So... We'll, uh, Recallnewsom.com. Pardon me? Callnewsom.com. He's on his way out. Okay. Uh, Jim Ram is next. We're on our way out, too. And I'll see you all tomorrow, and we'll see how much water goes under the bridge in the next 22 hours. See you all. Sweet home Alabama, Daryl. Right. Sweet, sweet home Alabama. Sweet home Alabama. Mother. Oh, Hot